0: Who enjoyed uh, Veronica's message last week? You know, she was right, eh? because she shared that same message on um, at the ladies' breakfast. Oh, and by the way, there will be another one coming up shortly. But um, Veronica had shared that same message at the ladies' breakfast, and she said to us last week, you know, sometimes you watch a movie the second time round, and you enjoy it more, and I tell you what, I did, I enjoyed it even more the second time, I got more out of it the second time, so if you haven't heard it, go onto the app, go onto the website, all the messages are recorded, and you can listen, you can catch up there, so, but I'm going to pick up on her opening scripture that, that Veronica shared on last week, and that was from Hebrews chapter 11, well done, well done. Hebrews chapter 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another version, the CSB says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Today is going to be a little bit more of a teaching, and I'm so glad that God has laid this on my heart, because I feel that it is a timely word, actually but we're going to talk about faith and the words that we speak. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is basically the currency of heaven. It's the currency of heaven. And faith is that thing that keeps us in the waiting that Veronica was speaking about last week, about the waiting. Faith is what keeps us in the waiting, And there's a well-known scripture in Jeremiah 29, and I know everybody can quote this one in verse 11. It says, God speaking, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we know that hope is for the future, but according to the scripture in Hebrews 11, it says, now Faith is. So faith is for now. Hope is for the future, but faith is for now. So what is faith? You know, it's not we're not talking here about whether I'm a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Christian and I have a faith. We're talking about we're talking about the substance of what faith is all about. And faith the Bible says faith is the substance. That word substance means the firm foundation. It's a conviction. It's an assurance. It's a reality of things hoped for. And another word for it, for the substance, faith being the substance of things hoped for. That word substance is title deed. And what an appropriate word for us at this season in our lives, because a title deed is a a document that shows the ownership of a property. And as you know, we've just moved house. And this very week, we received our title deed in the post. And, And on that title deed, it says that this particular house belongs to Chris and Sandy Hoskins, actually, if you dug into it a little bit deeper, you'll find out the bank actually owns it. But it doesn't give you the name of the bank. There's a mortgage attached to that house. So the bank owns it. But according to the law, the title deed, we are the owners. We own that house. That is, that is a step of faith. That is what a title deed is. It's proclaiming, Chris and Sandy own this house even though the bank actually have the major share. But that's what it is. But it has our name on. Faith is the substance. It's the title deed. It's the assurance. It's the conviction that what God has promised me is mine. Not in the future. It's now. Now faith is. That house is ours. We're not going to say that house belongs to the bank. I did just before you know, just for reference sake. But in fact, that house, it's our house. It's ours. That title faith is now. Faith is always in the present tense. We can't say, well, I'm going to have faith tomorrow for something. You, it doesn't work like that. Faith is only works in the present tense. We have faith today for what God has promised, potentially even in the future. But our faith is now. And we have faith, we have confidence in God that what he has promised, he is able to perform, he is able to do. And you know, for a number of weeks, months in fact, we've been talking about running our best lap yet. From Hebrews chapter 12, the next chapter, and all throughout the the very beginning of chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... In Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about this cloud of witnesses, and what he's referring to is the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about faith. It's the faith chapter. If you want to know anything about faith, go and read Hebrews chapter 11, and there it lists person after person after person from the Old Testament, and all these things are written for our admonition, for our learning. We can learn from every single person in the Bible, He talks about Noah, he talks about Abel, he talks about Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, you name it, they are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. So if these guys under the old covenant had to live by faith, we too, we need to live by, by, we need to live our lives by faith. We need to run our race in faith. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. is a very well-known scripture. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. The world says seeing is believing, but the Bible says believing is seeing. We walk by faith and not by sight. We see things with our spiritual eyes, if you like. We walk by faith, and that says we walk by faith. So there if there's a walk, that means there are steps involved. There's a, there's a journey. There's a process. And you know, maybe we started off our journey of faith, believing God, trusting Him, but perhaps without realizing we've let things slip. These things happen. As, as believers, we leak, okay? Not in a bad way, but we, we leak. We, if we, what we don't do not what we don't sort of keep in the forefront of our hearts and our minds, we can easily forget about it. So sometimes we need to go back to basics. We do need to go back to basics. And like that spiritual MOT, we're going to do a spiritual MOT today on our faith life. Like that car. Remember, those who have a vehicle, that you take your car in every year for an MOT whatever that might mean. It's like a little test to see if it's roadworthy. But we can be failing. The car could be failing in certain areas without realizing it. You know, it could be leaking oil. Or maybe our faith levels are waning. So why? What's the big deal? I forgot to press start. Never mind, we've only got another four hours. Okay, but what's the big deal about faith? And everyone says, oh no. (laughs) What's the big deal about faith? can't we just live life like a lottery? You know, can't, why can't we just go and buy a lottery ticket every week or whenever it is and hope for the best? Let's buy a lottery ticket, you know, because sometimes you win and most of the times you lose, isn't it? I don't know, I don't buy lottery tickets. Or, you know, we can live in hope, and what do we do? The big thing in this country, I can't help but giggle to myself every time I hear it, because to me it's so funny, but what do we do? Cross our fingers and our toes and touch wood, touch wood, that things are going to work out okay, and if we're lucky enough, then we'll get through this, right? This is the way that people talk, but this is not the way God designed us to live, We don't live by superstition. We live by faith. The just shall live by their faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. We are saved by faith. How do we know we're going to go to heaven? By faith. By faith. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. So if you want your prayers answered if you want to see victory in your life, if you want a better, stronger relationship with God, if you want to grow in the things of God, you've got to exercise your faith. Romans 12.3 says that, for God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God is not unjust. He doesn't give to some people faith and to others not. He's given to every man and woman, the measure of faith. We've all been given the measure, but it's up to us to exercise that measure of faith and to make it grow. It's such an important commodity. Listen to what what happened in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. Jesus was speaking to Peter, and he said to Peter, Simon Simon. He's calling him. He's trying to get his attention. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Jesus says, But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Jesus could have said, I've prayed for you that you would be protected. I've prayed for you that the devil would fall into a pit and never bother you again. I've prayed for you. No, he said, I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Jesus emphasized the importance of faith. Faith is more important than money, it's more important than status, it's more important than our career, it's more important than our reputation. Our faith is a vital commodity. It is so, so, precious. It's the most valuable commodity that we have, and it's the only commodity that pleases God. It's the only way. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, we can come before God, and we can beg Him. Before I became a Christian, I didn't know anything. I really didn't. I wasn't raised in a Christian home at all, But I used to go to God as an unbeliever and beg him. And, you know, I might as well have been, I don't know, the prayers just fell to the ground because I was begging and pleading with God. But all our begging and all our pleading, all our tears, all our manipulation doesn't move God. It doesn't move him. He's not moved by our manipulation, by our tears, by our pleading. If you want God's attention, if you want your prayers answered, if you want to please Him, it requires faith. Not good deeds, not good works, not even being nice. I mean, please be nice, okay? But, but carry on, because you people are nice, okay? You are brilliant. But that's not what pleases God. You know, He's not impressed by our niceness. It's faith. Faith in God and faith in his word. We don't have faith in our own faith. It's faith in God and faith in his word. To have faith means to be fully persuaded. To be fully persuaded. Have complete trust and confidence in God. Having that unshakable belief in God. That unshakable belief. Having a moral conviction and a reliance upon God you know, looked up yesterday about how many times the word love appears in the bible in the new testament the word love appears 183 times the word faith in the new testament appears 227 times i think you know Repetition means significance. And we're not going to drop one for the sake of the other. We're not going to say, well, let's let go of love, forget about love, love isn't that important. No, faith works by love. Faith works by love. Both are needed. But there's a strong emphasis in the Word of God on the importance of faith, which we can't afford to ignore. In fact, throughout the Bible, the words faith and believe throughout the whole Bible, appear over 500 times. This is an important subject, it's an important topic, and this is why we need to have a spiritual MOT on this area, and I know, and I'm speaking to myself here, okay, none of us have arrived. If we have, well then, good for you, but we all need this. I tell you what, I've been encouraged just by preparing this, because I need this. So, question to ask ourselves, how do I know whether I'm in faith or not? How do I know? Am I in faith? Am I just sort of being foolish or presumptuous? Am I presuming things? But how do I know whether I'm in faith or not? How can I tell? And I'll tell you one of the first ways where you know whether you're in faith or not, by what comes out of your mouth. By what comes out of your mouth. Matthew chapter 12 verse 34, Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart. The New Living says, Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. In other words, it's not what's in your head, although that's also true at times, you know, you think, please, you know, think before you speak, you know, especially me. I just say the wrong thing. But whatever it's not whatever's in your head that determines what you say, but whatever's in your heart determines what you're saying here. So we're not talking here about mental assent, having knowledge. You know, like you're talking in conversation to somebody and you think, I know the answer to this. And it could even be a scripture, but it might not be the right one. It might be the inappropriate time. You know, maybe that person needs a little bit of TLC. But head knowledge is limited to just information. But heart knowledge is when that information drops that 18 inches from this head into your heart, and it becomes heart transformation. So we're talking about heart faith, heart faith. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So if your heart is full of fear, full of anxiety, that's what's going to come out. Just listen to yourself and I'm speaking to myself, but listen to yourself. What is coming out of my mouth? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it worry? Is it concern? But if your heart is full of faith, if your heart is full of joy, that's what's going to come out. It's what ever's in your heart, is the, out of the abundance of your heart, comes out. So faith has to be in two places. It has to be in your heart and in your mouth. Has to be in two places. You know, some people say, well, my faith is a private matter. Sorry, it's not. Your your faith, what's in your heart, will be revealed. It's very public. And in fact, Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, says this It says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we speak. That word there, word, the word, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. The the Greek word for that is rhema. Rhema, and that means a spoken word. Spoken word. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. And it goes on in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This, this is a foundation scripture, and this is, the, this is, the, this is the, the reason why when we pray for people for salvation, we do it out loud, because you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth. It's not a Pentecostal doctrine. It is the word of God. So we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, you will be saved. And we're going to look at an example in the New Testament of the power of a person's words. And before that, we're going to go to Mark chapter 5, just about 10 verses, 25 to 34. A well-known scripture says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse and when she heard about Jesus she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if only I may touch his clothes I shall be made well and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. There's so much detail in this particular account here, but this woman had had this issue of blood for 12 years. So under Jewish custom, under Jewish law, she was ceremonially and socially unclean. She was ostracized from society. She was excommunicated. Um, If a person was in this was in this condition. If she touched, touched anyone under the Jewish custom and under Jewish tradition, that person that she touched also became unclean. That's harsh, isn't it? That's really harsh. But that person became unclean and they would be unable to, to, to participate in worship. And it says that she was basically penniless. She had, she had spent all that she had on physicians, on doctors, until she had no more money. She was in a desperate situation. But the Bible says that she had heard about Jesus. She heard, and we know that Jesus went about preaching, teaching, healing all who were sick. And she heard about Jesus. And so we pick it up there, and she, she, she had confidence in him. She heard his coming. She had confidence in him. She trusted him. She had faith in him, faith, faith in him. And how do we know this because in verse 27 it says in verse 27 she says she heard about jesus and in verse 28 she said for she said those two words three words for she said but she said if i only may touch his clothes i shall be made well he she didn't say well i'll cross my fingers hope for touch wood touch wood, maybe, if I'm lucky, he'll he'll heal me, no, she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well, and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body, she was healed of that affliction, and immediately Jesus felt power leaving him, somebody had reached out with faith to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Somebody had just reached out and drawn from him. And the disciples were saying, but there's multitudes thronging you. There's all these thousands of people around you. And yet you say, who touched me? All these people are touching you, but only one reached out with faith. And that is that woman. It was that woman. So by rights under the Jewish custom, Jesus should have been declared unclean. But he wasn't. Instead, the woman was made whole. The woman was made whole because she reached out in faith. And it's the same for us at salvation. When we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I've done terrible things throughout my life, but I have this sin nature. When we come to Jesus with our sin, it doesn't make him a sinner, but it makes us whole. It makes us clean. It makes us saved. That separation is is just dispersed under the blood of Jesus Christ. So, this wasn't just a casual contact with Jesus, what this woman did. This woman was reaching out to Jesus in faith, knowing that by so doing, she would be healed. That she would be healed. Those two words she said made all the difference. She believed in her heart and confessed with her mouth. She didn't say, woe is me. Oh, let me tell all my friends about what's wrong with me. And I'll take a photo and put it on social media and get everybody's sympathy. That's not what she said. She didn't say, feel sorry for me. She said, she didn't want the sympathy vote. She did say, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And she was. She wasn't looking for sympathy. She was looking for victory. And it's so important. You know, when we are, when we are afflicted in any way, with any kind, excuse me with any kind of illness, with any kind of sickness upon our lives, let's not look for sympathy. I don't want sympathy. I want victory. This is the victory. 1 John 5 verse verse 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith is what gives us victory. So are we looking for sympathy or are we looking for victory? Are we allowing our dysfunction to define us? are we allowing our dysfunction? Some people wallow in it. Nobody that's here, praise God, none of them are here today. But some people, they identify with this, whatever it might be. This is, this is my sickness. They take ownership of it. They, they wallow in it. But that's not the way, this is not God's way. There's another person who's defined by his illness in the Bible, and it's Blind Bartimaeus. I mean, the, the guy received his healing. And we still talk about blind Bartimaeus so that we know who we're talking about. How many Bartimaeuses are there in the Bible? I think only the one. But we define him by his sickness, by his ailment, that he was blind Bartimaeus. But he didn't define himself by that. Instead, he was sitting by the roadside begging because he couldn't work He was blind, and he heard Jesus approaching, and what did he do? He cried out. He said, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowds were around him saying, shush, Bartimaeus, shush, blind Bartimaeus, keep quiet. You're causing a stir. You're stirring things up here. Keep quiet. But nothing could hold him back. Nothing could hold Bartimaeus back. He was determined. He was desperate. Like that woman with the issue of blood. He was determined. He was desperate. He heard Jesus coming. She heard about Jesus. And they reached out in faith. And he cried out all the more. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what happened? He reached out in faith to Jesus and he was instantly healed. Instantly healed. And Jesus' words to him in Mark chapter 10, verse 52 says, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't lay hands on him, Jesus didn't pray for him. The same with the woman. He didn't lay hands on her. She reached out in faith and said, Bartimaeus, he reached out in faith. And shouted and said, Lord, have mercy on me, have mercy. And in both cases he received they received their healing. Neither that woman nor Bartimaeus were after the sympathy vote. They were desiring victory. They were desiring breakthrough. They had faith in their hearts, which they verbalised, and that as a result of their faith, they both received their healing. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Faith has a voice. Faith isn't quiet. Faith is loud. You know, I'm not denying the fact that at times we do need emotional support. We do need when we're going through things. But we need to be careful that the emotional support doesn't become a desire to seek sympathy. It's, it's not the way. There's, there's got to be a balance between human support, between having empathy, kindness, tenderness, compassion, and faith. There's got to be a balance between the two. So don't go to the masses for sympathy. Rather come to people of faith for prayer. If you're going through something... I know there are times when you feel like you have to share things, but stop, don't look for sympathy. Let's come to people of faith for prayer. The Bible says that there's power in agreement. <coughs> Sorry. One will put a thousand to flight, and two will put ten thousand to flight. There's power in agreement. So make sure you're in agreement with the right people. So, do we want, to be, do we want sympathy? Or do we want victory? Well, the Joyce Meyer has a great saying. She says, you can either be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. <coughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. <coughs> so when, when we have symptoms, got a little cough here. Do I go to Dr. Google and Google up all the symptoms? I've got a cough this is what it could be. And do you know what? It's the worst thing. Don't do it. Stay away from Dr. Google, because before long, you'll be, you'll be dead. I'm telling you, you don't want to listen to what Dr. Google has to say. You, after a while, you think, yes, actually, I do have that symptom. Oh, and I have that symptom, and I have that one. Therefore, I must have such and such. Just go to Jesus go to Jesus with a heart full of faith, get into agreement with him, with his word, stand in faith until you see the victory, until you see the, until you see the breakthrough. And it's not about sticking our heads in the sand and saying, sickness, what sickness? You know, like the guy with the broken leg, you know, he's dragging his leg behind him because it's broken in three places, and they say, what's wrong with your leg? It's nothing. What's wrong with my leg? There's nothing. Wrong. No, it's broken it's broken. But, you know, I'm feeling rough. My leg is paining me. But bless God, my healing is coming. I'm getting my healing. I'm standing on God's word. Pray for me. Pray for me. Let's see this thing get healed in Jesus' name. I'm pressing on. I'm not giving up. I don't want your sympathy. I want victory. So we can confess. We can confess, this is what I'm feeling. Because I tell you what, from somebody, I have suffered a lot of physical ailments and it's been really hard on me because I come from a faith Bible college where this is what is taught. And I sat there having to go through surgery, uh, a, a fusion operation to my neck. While I was in Bible college, I was sat there with this big thing on my neck um, with pins and things in my neck. And, um, but I've, I've had to learn. I've had to learn. Yes, I might be in pain, but praise God, I'm healed. I I stand on his word that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm not denying the fact that I have pain. No, I do have pain. From time to time, I suffer from pain. But it's not my pain, okay? I don't take ownership. I don't walk around saying, my bad back. Okay, can I just sort of help people today? Okay, that's what I want to do. Don't take ownership of sickness. God has not made you sick. God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of sickness. The devil is the author of sickness. And sickness comes about as a result of the fall. It's The world is decaying. It's falling apart. You just have to turn on the TV. It's falling apart. And as a result of the fall, we have sickness, we have death, we have all these things. But God... The, the, the Bible says that the thief comes but to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to you in all its abundance. So when you, if you feel sick, don't take ownership. Don't say, this is my bad back. This is my headache. No, it's not your headache. It's, it's not your headache. Don't take ownership of it. Those symptoms are real. Yes, they're very real, especially physical things. It doesn't get much closer than when it's something physical. You know, when emotional things, okay, you can deal with it. But when it's physical and it's pain, it's not so easy to, to manage. But don't confess them. Don't don't receive them. Don't um, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't make it your own. Don't take ownership. And resist the temptation to feel sorry for yourself. Oh, <laughs> resist the temptation. Oh, really not feel. Oh, I'm the worst. Chris is really good. Even if he if he gets some kind of sickness, he he can just get on with it. But me, I, I'm like, I'm like a bit like a man, you know. Sorry, I I, I I moan a lot, and oh woe is me. I do. I start feeling sorry for myself, and I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps and say no. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, these symptoms are a lie, they're real, but they are a lie, and they can leave my body in Jesus' name, and guess what? I get the victory, I get the breakthrough, so, uh, and I refuse to allow people to offer sympathy. I don't want sympathy, I don't want it, I want victory, this is the victory that overcomes our faith. So what happens? How do we go about getting full of faith? If you are suffering in any way, perhaps it's with health or even maybe provision in any aspect of your life, if there is an area of lack or need in your life, get into the Bible. Go, get into the Word. If you don't know scriptures, come to us. We'll give you thousands. Okay, we will. Literally, we'll help you find scriptures that relate to your issue or your problem. But if, say, for instance, um you've got, a, you've got a, um, a, a problem with provision. Make sure that you're depositing the right stuff into your heart. Stay off the internet. Remember, faith has to be in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. And we can read and say, we can read the Bible and it says, my God shall provide all my need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, yes, amen, glory. But is that in your heart? get it into your heart start meditating on scriptures especially when it comes to to physical health start meditating on, on healing scriptures the bible's full of them start meditating on them doesn't mean we sit in a little lotus position and um we meditate means to murmur to mutter to speak start speaking those scriptures speak them out loud the bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and if you if you feeling like I've got sickness in my body. Well, the Bible says that by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I was healed 2,000 years ago. Start meditating on that. What does that mean? Thank you, Lord. You, You give me insight into what does that scripture actually mean. And start meditating on it. Read the context. Go back to where it's referred back in the Old Testament. Go and read it. But get an understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding. And and start applying. It's like a bar of soap. Start applying the word of God to your circumstances. And that's how this is how this is how we get out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not a mantra. It's not a mental ascent thing. It's not just trying to memorize scripture. It's 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 allowing that scripture to impact my heart, allowing it to go that 18 inches. Lord, what are you saying to me through the scripture? That by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed 2,000 years ago. We took communion this morning. Oh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross. He said, this is my body that was broken for you, that, that he took my sickness upon himself, that by his stripes that he took on his body, I am healed Thank you, Lord. And that's how we apply the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to to impact your heart. And then whatever's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And I, I just want to encourage you as well, because this has been key in my life. If you have symptoms of sickness, it doesn't mean that your faith has failed. Okay? It's important to know that, because I think sometimes as Christians, we kind of don't want to say, you know, we don't want to say anything, because it might sound like my faith has failed. No, your faith hasn't failed. As long as we're alive on planet earth, we have an enemy, he's called the devil, and he will try to put sickness on us. He will try to rob, kill, and destroy in any way that he can. But we, if we have symptoms of sickness, just know you're in a fight. The Bible says that we fight the good fight of faith. And why is it called the good fight of faith? Because we win. Yeah. There's nothing better than a victory, than, than a faith victory. You know what, when you're feeling when you're feeling low, when you're feeling sick, when you've got all these symptoms and you, you get it. You get it. You're just like, Lord, I I I I believe your word. Your word says that I'm healed and boom, the, the symptoms go. They go. I'm healed. What a sweet faith victory. What a sweet faith, faith victory. So, I just want to encourage you. Get into the Word of God. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Spirit, but get into the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to, 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 to be abundant in your heart. Because what is in out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak in Jesus' name. Amen.